This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name my is... Name. <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a... A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Chad Gabriel is a bulldog trainer in Southern California who has a pretty big social media following out of the social media name Team Floppy Ears. Yeah, you heard that correctly. I was pulled into one of his social media feeds as he posted the infamous Brit Longoria leopard picture, and someone tagged Blood Origins into the post. As per usual, we started amicably discussing hunting and hunters, and Chad, as you'll find out, really had an open mind to what we were trying to say. So I asked him if he wanted a podcast about it. And what you're about to hear is what resulted from it. A couple of things to note. Chad and I had never met. We exchanged a couple of DMs. I sent him an email with a Zoom link invite. And that was it. This is what discussions between two rational people should be like. Hunter to non-hunter from two people who don't know each other from a bar or sub.
It's not cold here. I'm just a puss. I'm, I'm just a puss. I'm South African. Oh, yeah. I'm in Mississippi, and I, uh, it's 22 degrees today, and my South African blood doesn't deal with the cold either. Well, salute to that, man. I, uh, yeah, that and I just feel comfortable in this. <laughs> well, dude, I'm, uh, I've already hit record because, as I said to you on an email, I'm just... I think it's going to be very cool for people to know that we don't know each other from a bar of soap. A hundred percent. And we essentially met online maybe a week ago and I'm going to introduce myself and you're going to introduce yourself and we're going to have an amicable discussion that is almost missing in today's society, essentially. I know. I'm super stoked. Like I'm very like uh, our our conversation the whole time from what I remember was completely from educational, I was just, you know, like definitely not claiming to know, but also like, yeah, I'm just excited to dig into it, man. I, I totally forgot about this thing. So uh, <laughs> definitely, yeah, thank you for reaching out, man. I would have big lead you on accident. I, I would not have met to, to, to have done that. Welcome but there's, my world. That's okay. There's, go ahead and close that, babe. So let's, uh, let me, I'll let you introduce yourself first, because obviously you've got one of the, the things that make you who you are behind you, right? One of your pups. Yeah, I got my dog. Well, he left, but yeah. Um, so yeah, my name's Chad Gabriel. I, uh, <clears throat> I'm 36 years old. I was born uh, and raised in Norwalk, California, um, single mother. Uh, when I uh, graduated high school, um, I went to uh, junior college. And then from there, I got drafted to play for the St. Louis Cardinals professional baseball team. Uh, and I played with St. Louis um, from 2000 in the, in the farm system from uh, 2004 till 2007 and was released in 2007. Um, and then I started, uh, I was going to retire, actually did retire, but found out there was uh, more access to more baseball aside from the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, it, was, it was all new to me. All I knew about that was just that, you know, once you get released from, from the minor league, that was it. I didn't know. So I went home and I just started getting a bunch of calls from other teams and that, and I was really bummed out to get released. I was really discouraged. I didn't really understand uh, why particularly, because I was actually doing okay relative to, you know, I've been in the system for four years and I was looking around. I'm like, okay, like it's like the movies, man. You go to the, your locker and there'll be a tag there in spring training or there won't be a tag there. Sure. And finally, after my fourth year of spring, fourth spring training, um, that happened on the very last day of 2007. And they said, I was like, y'all are, y'all are messed up to do this on the last day of cut day when I already was thinking I was good because I was performing okay. But it came down to a business decision for them. And that's just what that's, unfortunately, that's a part of it is between me and a, a kid that had a lot more money invested in him. And it wasn't a matter of me, you know, not performing, you know, that's what they told me. So that was even more frustrating for me. Do you know what right, I mean? So it right. came down to a business decision. And I sat there and bawled my eyes out, man, like, Anyway, long, um, don't want to uh, drag this on forever, but uh, I, I played for, you know, traveled to Australia, traveled all, uh, all over the place to just get some more experience. And then I retired from baseball and um, didn't really know what the hell I was going to do, man. I fucking, excuse my French, I don't know what kind of audience you have there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I definitely like didn't know what the heck I was going to do, man. I was just a strong and able body. And I had a brother who, uh, I have a brother who owns a construction company. He put me to work straight away. And I realized, dude, this is crap. You know, I got like nothing against Find your passion. Yeah, nothing against the line of work. I just went from being, you know, the professional baseballer to the construction guy. And it was hard on me. 
specifically. And I just knew that there was more purpose for me. I wanted to do something better with my life, something that I felt like was fulfilling me as a person. Right. Um, I'm grateful for that time because I, I learned how to get my hands dirty and all that. So I'm super stoked. I know how to use tools and shit. So like as much as I hated it, very grateful for that experience. But I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do long term, aside from the fact that my body <laughs> the human body i was doing demolition and stuff so it was like really hard on my body and i just realized dude this this is not sustainable this is insanely hard work you know i said for a couple years whatever do what i gotta do to make that bread right because i this is gonna turn out to be a long story so i eventually was like searching you know doing the construction thing you know i started the social where we um met i started to do the social media thing because uh um yeah, I originally started it in 2011, which is right about the time Instagram came about. Tied to dogs, right? This yeah, uh, but at, at first it wasn't. It was just my personal account. And then at, uh, sort of like as I was about to retire, um, so I, I did retire and then I came out of retirement. The first time I retired, I went and got a dog. And that was Rosie, my dog Rosie. The, the, the dog, the reason for everything now, right? Like five so now, no, now seven years ago now. And it was just like, at th- that was like the new purpose for me. And then at that point, I started to utilize social media just to share my dog and to share our relationship. And at the time, social media was, it was new. And so all the algorithms were wide open. It was all chronological. And so I became relatively known pretty fast. Um, and so I built up pretty fast. And this is with no dog. No, this is sure, like, sure. Uh, just sure. a cat people like to watch, right? Right. So like, uh, and my dog too, I'm not going to take all the So yeah, dude. And then I, I just, for free, dude, it was just a hobby of mine. And I, and honestly, that's a part of my story. Like, uh, I was 31 years old on my mom's, I'm 36 now. I was 31, like coming back from Texas, you know what the fuck, you know, that was where I was, I was in Texas doing the construction thing. And so I come back to California with fucking, I just, just a new fresh start. I had nothing. I had nothing. I had no money in the bank. I, I was literally living in my mom's spare room on the mattress, on the floor. She comes in. And at this point I have like 20 K, you know, 20 K uh, followers. And she, she just, you know, this is just a, a mom, right? This, I, I don't look at her as this, her like not believing in me in that because I could totally look at me from her perspective and worry about like what I'm going to do with my life. I'm 31 and I'm on the floor in her spare room. You know what I mean? So she's like, worried about me and she come in and be like you know when are you gonna like do something real bro like you know when are you gonna do something with your life you know like team literally verbatim team floppy ears is cool but it's a hobby bro that ain't making you no money right my my mom different generation she didn't really understand that like and i didn't either man i didn't know that i was building towards what i have today i didn't at all i was just like doing something that i enjoyed and, and 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 i was fortunate to catch on when i did you know and so in my mind, I'm like, this ain't a hobby, bro. My fucking dog is my life, dude. Like, she's everything to me. Like, people love watching us. Like, but she doesn't, she's looking for money, you know? Like, I don't pay her no money or nothing. I'm just bumming right. my ass off. Right. And so that was just a part, that's a part of my story that I'm really proud of, dude, you know? Um, because I Yeah, just, you built like, a really big social media following. Thank you, man. Um, but yeah, it's just like through times where like nobody believed, even my own mom, you know? Nobody would have looked at me back then and thought, dude, this cat's going to like, you know, like he's going to end up being a really dope trainer and he's going to change a lot of lives. He needs to help a lot of dogs. And that's ultimately where we're at today. And ultimately, dude, all that had to happen for, for us to meet. I'm going to stop. That's talking right. 
Yeah. So, so the way that we met was someone tagged me into a social media post of yours, and you happened to have put placed a, po- a picture of a, a lady. And we actually know the lady very well because really? we storytell about people. And Britt Longoria, who is the picture holding that leopard, uh-huh. is someone that we've told her story about. I'm going to go back and delete this now because she's probably a really nice lady and shit. <laughs> and I didn't mean yeah, and so no, but that's the key, right? That's why we're engaging because I saw the post and what I what immediately turned me on to your social media was that. There was a curiosity to what you were looking for, right? There was a curiosity to like, hey, these guys seem to be saying something that I don't really understand. I don't really know much about it. But hey, have you thought about that? Have you considered that? Have you not? You know, and and you were still very much, and I'd love to understand, uh, you're still very much anti the picture, right? I mean, it's tough to look at for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think without any sort of education on it, it's it's certainly trigger. It's a trigger post. And to be fair, like it was inspired by another great friend of mine. You may have conversed with him a little bit. He was the OG 03 guy. Okay. Uh, Yeah. He like, he saw, like he got some insight, like Intel that, you know, cats are doing that. Like, not so much where they're even getting that much money, you know, um, people are doing it for pennies essentially, um, in their backyards, you know? And so that's kind of like where he was going with it being like, man, that's not just to go, just to do it, just to do it, just to, you know, I don't know. Listen, Chad, have you you ever hunted? It's an emotional, it's an emotional standpoint. Absolutely. hundred percent. And, and I, and I, and that's why like, I'm stoked to, to hear um, whatever, you know, whatever sort of insight you have. Um, I, I had a couple other buddy, like brothers go to bat for her and, and, and the whole thing. And that's when I, when Corey and, and, and these other cats are coming in, I'm like, I love you like a brother. I'm going to listen to you, bro. Like, I'm not going to, I'm going to kind of take a step up, you know, off my emotional fucking thing and kind of listen to what you're saying. And sure. some of the stuff really like resonated. Um, sure. Specifically, I can't really, you know, as far as, you know, it, it helping the community. It, yeah, yeah. This is where you may be able to step in. Absolutely, and I will step in. Let me ask just a couple of simple questions, okay? Okay. Uh, Chad, have you ever hunted? I've I've never really killed anything, no. Okay. Uh, no desire to, right? I I, I haven't. Mm-mm. I haven't yeah. had. Hey, to perfect. Absolutely perfect. So I think the the image that you're talking about, without any context. And with the perceptions that you and a lot of people have about hunters and hunting, uh-huh. your reaction is completely normal. Okay. That's what we deal with day in and day out. And my project, the Blood Origins Project, is all about aiming a, a, a perception-changing narrative to people like you. Say, hey, let's have an amicable discussion. Let's, let me give you information that I have that you may not understand of what hunting does for wildlife and for people, okay? So let's start there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use a couple of examples. So let's talk about what hunting does for wildlife. The tricky thing for people to get over is that they don't understand that you have to kill an animal to save thousands. Because by killing that animal, it provides value. 
Okay, there's a there's a monetary value, there's an economic engine tied to that that animal. It's just like anything else. It's like hiking, it's like mountain climbing. The only difference is you're not taking the life of something. Okay. And we get that. I get that. I understand that's a, that's a difficult concept. But let me talk about North America because we're in North America, you're in California, I'm in Mississippi. There's a distinction between what happened in the past, the bison herds being decimated, passenger pigeons being decimated. That was hunting, and I say quote unquote hunting, without regulations. It was purely driven by people's wants and desires. In the 1910s, 1920s, regulations got put in place by sportsmen, by hunters on themselves, because they recognized that this thing that they loved so much, the animals that they loved so much, which is also something difficult to wrap your head around, was being decimated. They were gone. So elk populations were almost gone. Antelope populations, almost gone. Turkey populations, almost gone. White-tailed deer populations, almost gone. And so what hunters did was they put an excise tax on themselves. So in 1934, the Pittman-Robertson Act was put in place in America that says everything tied to hunting, clothes, bullets, guns, there's an excise tax, 11% excise tax that we're going to tax ourselves that then gets pushed back into every state of, in the union to help with wildlife conservation. Today, white-tailed deer in the 1920s and 30s were 300,000. Today, there's 30 million white-tailed deer. They Rocky, worked. It worked. Rocky Mountain elk, over a million. Antelope, over a million. Wild turkeys, pretty much in every single state of the U.S. And a lot of people don't know that it's because of hunters and hunting that that now has, we have this wildlife population. Same thing in South Africa. Same thing. South Africa, 1970s, very big agricultural industry, massive drought going through the, the country. Farmers recognized that cows and sheep, they don't really belong on this landscape. They can't handle the drought. But, oh, wow, the wildlife seems to be thriving. Why don't we farm for wildlife instead of farming for cattle? Again, seems like a very foreign concept. They had 500,000 head of wildlife in 1970. Today, there's 26 million head of wildlife in South Africa. And the only reason there's 26 million head of wildlife is because there's people like myself, a hunter, who's willing to go to South Africa to hunt an animal. So that's the wildlife side of things. And another thing that we hear a lot of is, and there might have been actually a couple of these comments in your post. I'm like so bummed out like already, <clears throat> you know. Oh, like about about that. about allowing those nasty th nasty things be being said about her. Well, <clears throat> I'll go back and um, it, 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 I'm going to let you keep going because I'm just absolutely uh, just loving every bit of what you're saying. But I, I just would love like her Insta so I could be like, yo, like I posted that shit without knowing, and then I had a conversation with this really cool cat named Rob, and like my shit has changed and it. I know you may not have seen it, but I just feel bad and I want to say sorry. And, but now like, I understand a little bit better now. Like, does she have an Instagram or anything? She does. She's got a big Instagram. Awesome. You I know why that, that picture got circulated? It got picked up by a bunch of celebrities. Like, gosh, what's the, oh, Naomi Campbell? Naomi Campbell picked up that picture and blasted it everywhere. And it's like, okay, look, we get it. Like you started with, it's an emotion evoking picture yeah. right 
But if you think about what is happening, and, and here's the thing that we always say, the action of, the, of hunting, the, the kill, is something that's very difficult for someone to get over. So why don't we just talk about the consequence of the action? Yeah. All right, the consequence of the action, we've just talked about flourishing wildlife. There's also communities all around the world that benefit from hunters. So let's use a community in Pakistan. So there's this really cool goat in Pakistan called a markhor, got these huge spiraled horns. In 2005, pretty much 300 markhor left, 400 markhor left. No value to them. The only value is poaching, cooking the meat, putting them in a pot. That's about it. Well, it turns out that there are some very rich American hunters and European hunters that would be willing to pay close to $100,000, maybe $200,000 to hunt a markle. 80% of that, that trophy fee, they call it trophy fees. It's the, it's the cost of the animal, right? Uh-huh. 80% of the money goes back to the communities in Pakistan. 20% goes to the government. Okay, so the communities auction off these tags to outfitters, and typically the tag goes for like eighty-five thousand. So eighty percent of that fee goes to the community. The outfitter then makes a percentage of the profit because he marks it up. It's it's a simple business model. Mm-hmm. That animal, on an annual basis, based on the number of tags today, twenty twenty-one in Pakistan, is worth a quarter of a million dollars every year to these small communities. That's a lot different than meat in a pot. That's, yeah, it's not even close, dude. So it means education. It means things that they they could never afford that they can now. In Africa, you know, rural, rural Africa, where you can't go, you don't want to go to be a photo tourist, an eco-tourist. It takes four days to get there. It's full of malaria. It's full of tsetse flies. The density of animals is very low, so you can't see a lot in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. There's no, nothing else that will go in there. Nobody wants to go there. What, what, what else will generate value for wildlife if it wouldn't be for hunting? Yeah. And so that's what happens a lot is that a lot of people say ban trophy hunting. Ban it, ban it, ban it. Okay, so, we, we'll ban it. Mm-hmm. But then what? So what replaces it? Someone will find a way to do it anyway, probably. But Or illegally, uh, right? They'll do it illegally. 100%. Like, illegally is what I'm saying. Like, you know, when there's a will, there's a way. But um, I think a great question for me to ask for, like, my, like my viewers that are probably equally as, you know, uneducated about this stuff would be, like, the difference between poaching and trophy hunting. Dang, that's a great question. And I'm glad uh, you I, asked it. I, I kind of don't even know. I don't, I don't know the answer okay. to that. I'll give you a perfect analogy. Do you equate shopping and shoplifting being the same thing? Mm, I probably would say no to that. That is the difference between hunting and poaching. Uh, hunting is a legal activity. Uh-huh. Poaching is illegal. Yeah, poaching is like you just like grabbed your gat and you just went out there and did it, and it doesn't no morals. Matter. No ethics right. to so, the hill. You don't care. You're going to yeah. kill it however you want to kill it. You're going to trap it. You're going to snare it. You're going to put a trap line out. You're not going to check it for days. That animal's going to suffer. Suffer. Right? And 
So it's indiscriminate. Poaching is very indiscriminate. Male, female, young, old, it doesn't matter. Hunting is selective in what it takes, typically a mature male, because this is how I, I, I couch it. You've got to remember wildlife, when you boil it down, and I hate to be so simplistic about it, it's an economic asset. Do you want more of your economic asset around or do you want less? When you're in the business of wildlife, you want more. So you're very precise in what you take every year so that your population is constantly growing or maintaining. Yeah. Makes sense, so, right? But, but you as a hunter, you, you, you find poachers to be disgraceful. Correct. Yeah. We, we see it and we are disgusted by it. Yeah, We're offended like, by it. We don't want to watch that kind of stuff, right? And the it's chopping also, off of rhino horns yeah, for the illegal also, market. It's, it's horrendous. Giving you a bad name, somebody with that, it's, it's giving you a bad name because people are probably correlating you guys together, you know, trophy hunters, poachers. All the time. Yeah. All Brutal. the time. Brutal. Hunters and poachers are the same thing. And here's the last thing I'll say about hunting and poaching. Poachers make money from wildlife. They sell the bushmeat. They sell the ivory. They sell the, the rhino horn. Hunters put money into wildlife. There's, when, when, I'll give you another, when, when somebody goes into Africa and they lease an area, a block of land from the government, mm-hmm. it's not that the government just gets a fat check and you go do whatever you want to do and come back next year and send us another fat check. No, the government makes you put in a work plan that says you're going to put in this many roads, you're going to employ this many people, you're going to put this many schools in place, you're going to drop this many boreholes. You have to do all those things. And that's money, right? It doesn't come from, from the air. You have yeah. to put money into the ground and invest in those communities. And that's what hunting and hunters does all over the world. I'm not just talking Africa. Pakistan, yeah. Spain, the UK, America, Argentina. It, it happens everywhere. But I say that all to say, I know that hunting has a PR problem. And there's where you come in, big Rob. You're changing the world, bro. I love it, man. That's so cool. And you yourself have a big following. Have you been on Instagram for some time, or is that just kind of four years, how- four and a half years? Yeah, we've wow, been growing. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly niche. You know, it's niche stuff, man. And I love it. I, I mean, you're obviously crazy about it. It's your passion, dude. That's what I'm all about. I'm always I'm all about people like. You know, we're a little unorthodox in the sense that, you know, we have unorthodox type. I don't, it's just, I'm assuming this is kind of what you do for your living. You know, it's just like, it's really a blessing. Um, Actually, it's a passion project of mine. It's not a living. Really? Yes, sir. Well, you're, you're, I'm telling you, Big Rob, I see something you do too. And I know that's why you're continuing on. You feel something special brewing. If you don't, I do, man. It's awesome. Yeah, you're amazing, my friend. You're right. from someone that I don't even know. I'm so happy you are in my life. Same, same, dude. I have I had a couple other homies from South Africa that I really got along with as well. Cool. I, I traveled to Australia to play baseball there, and I had some South African homies. I couldn't tell that were you know is as a they call it, oh shit did I lose you? No, I'm here. I can still see you. I can hear you. I accidentally clicked out. Um, they, 
they get take the piss out of us because we sound like Canadians and Canadians sound like us. And I'm like, y'all sound Australian too. Like I'm not. Oh really sure. man, Chad, your your stock was so high with me. No, you just went listen, down. This was at the beginning, bro. This was at the beginning when I was like, I just showed up. I was like this super. They call me green. You know, it's just super green to the country, and like I was just learning everything. And even I pissed off a lot of New Zealanders too. You know, because New Zealand, from a Yankees <laughs> point of view, like New Zealand, Australia, it's also similar. So I pissed off a few people, but I was very humble in my in my um, travels to to that place. Is so such a different world, you know. And from what I understand, a lot of uh, Yanks would go over there and be boisterous and loud and flamboyant and like kind of like point things out and like, why do you do that? I was very much so like, yo, why not do that? That's fucking cool, you know. I was very accepting of the culture. I think maybe it's because I had traveled around so many places prior to that that I learned that even with the place so different at first, it was such a shock when I was young, I wanted to just go fucking home. And I called back home. I I was 19, dude. I was only 19. And like, I was like, I called my mom. I'm like, yo, this is shit. Like I was up in like New Jersey in the bush, bro. Like I'm a Southern California kid, bro. I show up to the bush in New Jersey at 19. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. My mom was like, yo, you need to like give it a shot, bro. Exactly. And dude, I definitely had a new, you know, perspective going to all these because play, playing uh, minor league baseball, a lot of it's in midwestern towns, like all mm-hmm. over, all over the Midwest. Mm-hmm. You have it on the west and the east as well. But so you never trying, encountered hunters and anything like that when traveling down through the Midwest oh, and stuff dude, like that. I, I've had uh, so many hunter friends. It's I, again like the deer and like you know the turkeys and all that. That never really bothered me none. It was just like this. So why do you think the why do you think the leopard bothered you so much versus a deer? I reckon just simply based on the majestic, uh, it's just such a magnificent creature and what they're capable of. I think everything tied in together just and and, and, and honestly not seeing it as much, you know, obviously it's just like a shock. You don't see that all that often. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just like, and then I, I try to dig into the, the minds of, of people's perspective as well. And I think, unfortunately, no matter how much rationale that you put out there, Rob, it's still not going to sink into people because they just won't even hear you. You know, they they won't even listen to you. And that for me, I had to navigate with certain people as well, because I try to educate people about dogs and how to be a leader for them. And, you know, my community has some softer people that don't agree with putting pressure on the dog and all that. And so I've dealt with some scrutiny in that regard. Probably not even fucking close to what you deal with, but like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's navigating like, okay, I get that you're not, like we're not going to go anywhere with this. And, um, I wish we could, but like, I'm not going to sit here and like, you know, have you call me, call me names and talk bad, you know, say bad things about me. I'm like, okay, this, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what other questions you hunters and poaching, obviously that was one that was, you know, that comes a lot, right? That, that mm-hmm. is a very big misperception and they interchange the words all the time. Oh Yeah. Oh, I actually had it. I had a thought earlier. And it's, um, unfortunately, people, like, they put animals above humans. Like, that's, that's, I've seen it happen, and I find it to be a a bit disturbing that people dehumanize humans, and they'll, like, humanize the animal. You know what I mean? And I'm, like, so thrown off by that. Because like, dude, you're over here talking about compassion and love and all this shit, but you're evil. Listen to what you're saying about this person. You right. know what I mean? Like, and so 
Yeah. To be fair, like I go through the comment section and I didn't like get joy out of the people saying horrible things about that lady. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I I wasn't like, yeah, I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm definitely, you know, I'm going to make an adjustment on that because I have more, more of an insight on, on that. So I appreciate it. No, no, look, you're the, what you don't know is the project that I built was built for you, Chad. (laughs) It wasn't built for hunters. It was built for non-hunters. And I think what we love about it is that people, you never know who's watching you, right? You've experienced this. You never know someone who's watching, they slide into your DMs and they go, oh, you know, you never know who's watching. And so even our exchange that we had on that post between you and me and whoever else engaged me, you got immediately what I was trying to bring across. I wasn't coming across aggressively. I wasn't coming across as I'm this macho hunter and I know everything and you're all wrong. I don't think I like, got that. No, no, that's the point. It was more like, hey, I want to know, you know what you're thinking. And here's, here's something that you may want to think about too. Um, and come across in sort of an even-keeled rhetoric and an amicable, if you can call anything on social media amicable, unfortunately, these days. Yeah, um, and that's why I was so humbled that, you know, when I asked, would you like to jump on this podcast? And you're like, yeah, I'd love to. Amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. I would, especially after speaking to you now, it would have been a huge, you know, it would have been a huge regret not to. So, so yeah, dude, I, I, I look forward to bringing this to my other mate. I got a buddy uh, that, that was really passionate. He's the one that put me onto the image and he fired me up, dude. You know, I don't even, I'm a dog guy. I don't even post that shit. You know, like I yeah. just like, in the moment, just exactly what that celebrity did. Fuck this sucks. Post it. But you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and that's, not proud of that. Um, yeah. you know, no, there's a bunch happening in California from a hunting perspective, man. We just, um, a guy out of San, I don't know, where do you live? Do you live in San Francisco? Oh, uh, no, I live Southern. I live uh, uh, just about an hour below Los Angeles. Okay. Well, there was a senator in, in San Francisco that uh, proposed the, the banning of bear hunting in California, complete ban of bear hunting. And one of his reasons was that it's, he wants to protect biodiversity and that hunters in California are trophy hunting bears. Well, I think the moniker, let me ask this question. When, when you hear somebody say trophy, a trophy hunter, what is that kind of hunter? Yeah, so I think just this is a freaking great question because I think a lot of people probably feel the same way. Um, it's just like, uh, you know, you go, you have your eyes set on this big, beautiful animal, you pop it, and then you take it and then you put it up on your wall. What like do you I do with, what does a trophy hunter do with the meat? <laughs> I have never really even thought about it. I think most people assume, I don't know what they fucking assume. I, I, I never really thought that deep into it, so I'm happy you asked that. So in California, when you kill a bear, you are not allowed to leave an ounce of meat on the mountain. You they have to take it all with you. That must be a lot, hey. Bears are uh, it depends on the bear, yeah. It's a lot of meat, but bear is also very delicious. For me, I would give it a go. I mean, I gave kangaroo a go. My freaking host family was like, yeah, that's kangaroo meat. And I'm like, it's good. It's lean, bro. I didn't have any fat, <laughs> bro. I was like fucking filet mignon. I was like, yeah. wow. Anyway, so, so bears are, you know, it, it's not the classic trophy because you have to take the meat. People typically hunt bears for the meat. You're not, it's very difficult to go out and I'm going to, you know, 
I'm going to hunt a big bear. It's, it's, it's difficult to judge. You know, you're just going for a, a, a representative bear. Uh-huh. Look at bear population in California. Bear populations in California have increased 200%. What's going to happen if you stop hunting bears? Well, let me ask you that question. What do you think is going to happen if there are no more hunt- bears hunted in California? Well, I, Common sense. Uh, and I haven't influenced you at all. Let me no, hear what I, you think is going to happen. Do, yeah, I, I, I do not know the answer, but I know that there's probably like a, a trickle effect. There's probably going to be some sort of domino effect some sort of and it seems to me like it would be negative yep absolutely bears predate are the highest predators on deer uh you know sitka blacktail um mule deer in the state of california they also are the number one predator that chases mountain lions off their kills which means mountain lions will have to kill more okay now imagine Nobody's hunting bears any longer. Bears are naturally going to be desensitized to humans. Right now, they have a fear of humans. Nobody's hunting them anymore. No reason to fear humans any longer. Mm-hmm. There's going to be increased human-wildlife conflict, right? Oh, yeah. There's going to be interactions. Old yogi is going to be strolling into people's neighborhoods and eating fluffy and fluffball and puffball oh. and whatnot. And obviously the population of bear would grow exponentially, wouldn't it? It would grow. It wouldn't be exponential, but it would grow. Um, and then, unfortunately, and this is where, this is where things are, are very interesting. When somebody proposes a ban, the idea, the idea is that we don't want any more bears to die. We don't want any more wildlife to die. Ban trophy hunting in Africa. We don't want anyone to hunt those trophies. Mm-hmm. But what ends up happening is more animals actually die. Because now what's going to have to happen is the state of California will have to hire professional killers, professional wow. contractors yep. to take out problem bears. Wow. There's going to be more problem bears taken out in the state of California now if the ban went through. The ban did not go through. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> Look, and let me reiterate to the audience. You said, thank God, and you don't hunt. Yeah. Well, it's, I'm a rational dude, Robert. You know, I'm yeah. a pretty rational thinker. So, like, you know. Please call me Robbie. The only person who calls me Robert is my mother when she's mad at me. Big, okay. Big Robbie. Big Robbie. Sorry, dude. <laughs> Again, uh, we are just getting to know each other. Exactly. Love it. Love it. Um, well, the example that I'm using to bears actually is happening already with mountain lions. Mountain lion, they banned mountain lions or four or five years ago in the state of California. Oh, so what is do you mean? Mo- um, like, is there, do you like go to jail for that shit or like? Yeah, it's illegal. It's illegal to hunt mountain lions in the state of California. Do you reckon you go to jail or do you get like a big fat ticket? Uh, I do not know the laws, but I would right. think there would be it's, significant okay. consequences. Yeah, something you probably don't want to. Yeah, but what do you reckon about that? I mean, is mountain lions kind of a thing that that that, that sort of has that sort of same negative type of thing? Yeah, it's because it's a predator. This is the thing, right? You don't hear any controversy when it comes to deer hunting. No, it's all tied to predators. Exactly what your post had. Your post was a predator. There's this thing about predators. There's this thing about leopards and wolves and bears and cougars and you know 
it's just this thing that everyone because we're predators and so maybe there's this like a primal competition between us that is just this thing that just it's the most it's the only thing that i see that has such polar opposite opinions right mm -hmm. people either hate wolves or they love them right there's no like <laughs> in between mm -hmm. but like mountain lions hello wife <laughs> oh you good <laughs> hey this is my new homie dude his name's rob hi rob Robbie. how are we doing that's my wife kyla nice to meet you kyla oh, i like your accent you thank that. you Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I'll listen. How much do you? How much do you love it, dude? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Um, no. So the the mountain lion deal. Just to end on this, there's more mountain lions killed today in the state of California than there ever was hunted on an annual basis before the ban got put in place. And it's illegal. No, it's not illegal because these are professionals hired by the state to take them out oh my god isn't that something so when you start digging you know as you said when you just take you take a step back mm -hmm. and you just and, and i really appreciate your rational point of view because if you need more of it you probably see some nasty people we see a couple of interesting individuals yeah man and good on you for just being able to kind of identify it and duck i call it the duck and move i gotta duck and move that that's that's poison i'm not trying to get involved in that like you, there's no getting through to you or talking to you at all man like i'm just I, I think maybe you know i'm where i'm at with things because i've experienced maybe not on the same scale as you but like you know this misunderstanding pretty exactly. much like, i'm a good dude you're a great man you're like and these people just get their emotion, including myself, you know, get, get the emotion um, first before anything. And that's been a big part of my growth as a dog person as well, because there's some things that I got emotional about almost in the same, not in the same space, but just emotional at the beginning of all this. And the thing about it is it's trendy. You know what I mean? Like it's trendy to get on this bandwagon of like, oh, that's not right. And, you know, without even really digging in. Well, that's what you said you did. Yes. And that's what I did. And that's what I did with like spay and neuter, you know, before, you know, oh, that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a whole other conversation. Right. I mean, I was so one side. Oh, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I look, look back at myself thinking she's Louise, man. You know, so I've had these like growing pains before, you know, what I mean, so like that's probably why I'm a little more reasonable. Cool. Well, Chad, but, you're the man. I don't want to belabor the conversation. I really appreciate your point of view. You now, you have a friend over here in Mississippi, yeah. and uh, don't hesitate to, if there's anything that comes across your feed, and you're like, Robbie needs to check this out, tag us up, man. He's my man, dude. All right, Big Rob, I got a little bit of content from our conversation here. I'll uh, give you a little shout in the, in the stories, and hopefully get some of my people over there to check out what you got going on. I appreciate you, brother. Doing great things, Rob. I'll talk to you later. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening. As always, leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.